Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody throughout the fruited plains of the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming back and along with me as we build a bridge to conversation throughout our great nation right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. I want to take this time right now before we get into our topic of the day to thank all of you, all of you for your kind letters, words, and uh, encouragement during the roughest time in my entire life, the darkest days that I have experienced yet. We were able to get closure, my family, uh, this um, uh, past uh, week uh, in uh, the home going with my wife, memorializing her. And um, you, I want to thank you for so many cards, letters, and, and, and just outpouring of affection. I just thank you so much for that. And, of course, today uh, is the uh, beginning of the rest of my life, I guess. And so we move on. And it's the beginning of yours as well. And so let's search together uh, tomorrow's mysteries. And um, as I said at my wife's memorial, now that she's gone, what do I do with me? Well, she told me what to do to continue doing what I have been doing with all of my might, and that I will. Well, today I want to um, thank you for um, uh, being here and discussing, help me discuss this topic that we are about to discuss, the dynamics, the dynamics of racism. And I feel as though I'm, I'm uniquely qualified to talk about this because I was in a interracial relationship for over 46, for 46 years. Uh, my children are biracial children. And um, many times we were able to see racism from both sides. Our family was because um, <laughs> sometimes black folks didn't like you, sometimes white folks didn't like you. But it was not systemic, as many are saying today. I remember a time when it was, and that's what makes me uniquely qualified. I grew up in a time, I was born in a time. In fact, I was born in Confederate Memorial Hospital. I've told you uh, this story. Shreveport, Louisiana, it changed its name to LSU uh, Medical Center, and then uh, I believe it became, became Oshner is what it is now. But it started off when I was uh, born into the world. Um, Confederate Memorial Hospital, Shreveport, Louisiana, last city in the South to concede defeat. What am I going to do? Change the name on my birth certificate? No. No, no, because that would change, uh, that would present a false history of myself. Are you hearing me? 
Are you hearing me? Because we're going to talk about this thing. It's something that's not been talked about. It's something that's never talked about. We avoid this conversation. But I'm going to drag you kicking and screaming into this conversation today, the dynamics of racism and the foolishness that's going on um, on our streets today being labeled as some type of effort to combat that. And what makes it so foolish is that uh, there, there can't be a remedy uh, to it as long as um, there are people with poisonous thoughts and minds walking around the streets of our nation. You talk about this infection of corona, the greatest infection, the greatest malady, cancer that has affected mankind is that of racism and uh, acknowledging Superior ideals, whether you're black-skinned or white-skinned because of your race. Oh, uh, there are black people who are just as uh, ethnocentric, Afrocentric, as there are white skinheads. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When you look at Louis Farrakhan and uh, when you look at um, the skinheads and the Klan, when you look at Antifa and you look at Black Lives Matter, they're all the same people. They are different colors, but they're same people. They do the same things. They actually speak out of the same playbook. They're just different colors. And so you must realize that this is something that is um, by its nature, orchestrated, concerted. But where does it begin? We're going to deal with that conversation here today on the C.L. Bryant Show. And thank you all for being faithful to the show. I see a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, bunch of folks around the globe, around the country. It looks like around the globe or are lit in right now because they want to hear about this. They want to talk about this. And if you want to become a part of a movement that I am a part of, go to freedomworks.org. Because the truth makes you free. Huh? On any topic that you want to discuss, if you speak of it truthfully, both sides, no one uh, shrinking back, used to back in the 40s and 50s. Of course, I don't go back as far as the 40s, but I was born in mid 50s. You know, there were certain things that people shrank back from. Especially black people. Black people didn't talk about uh, how they felt about race because they were afraid of losing their jobs. White folks could not be honest about how they felt about race because they were afraid of losing their neighbors. But I will say to you that I know that most of the attitudes that uh, existed then that really should not exist now except in the framework of our memory. Most of the attitudes that existed then existed because of a learned fear. That's what drives the dynamic of racism. Fear. That's one of the things that drives it. We're going to be talking about this all week long. 
kicking it off today and really glad that we are. Fear. Yeah, I have relatives uh, who back in the day who are white relatives who have told me that uh, it wasn't that they didn't want me, a black man, in their home. It was because they didn't want their home torched because of me. Now, there's a lot to that. There's a lot to that. There's a lot of unpacking that goes on to that. Someone may, some some idiot may say, well, why what, would I be courageous? Why would... Why won't you be courageous and talk about this, honestly? I mean, let's just face it. If you think that by bringing a personality into your house, a person into your neighborhood, in the prism and from the standpoint of 1940, 1950, or 60, or even early 1970 America, if you thought that a cross would be burned on your lawn, looking at this from the prism of that time frame, uh, you would have went along, go, went along, get along to get, went along to get along. Oh, yeah, that, that, the whole keep up with the Joneses thing. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That plays into more than just buying a new car because the neighbor has one. Please hear me, friends. The dynamic of racism, the dynamics of racism certainly deals with how we break ourselves down or how we position ourselves or see ourselves positioned on the social totem pole. Oh, if you're upwardly mobile and climbing uh, the corporate ladder in 1950, 1960, 40, 30, whatever point in time in America you want to go back to, if you're busy climbing that social ladder, then you are a slave to the mores of your time. There's no way that I can uh, possibly um, live my grandfather's life or uh, be uh, uh, make atonement for what he paid for and had to pay for. <clears throat> but the dynamics of racism had already uh, taken great root way before his time. It is something that has, in fact, in fact, if I was the devil, it would be the most perfect tool to use to keep men and women at each other's throats. It's something that they cannot do anything about. But yet, if it is vilified, you will certainly defend it and you will do it emotionally. And that is the color of your skin. Isn't it amazing? But where did all of that come from? How did it start? 
we're going to examine that uh, this week. We're going to look at the dynamics, the origin of racism. And certainly, in particularly, how it relates to our world. Because if America, pardon me, is brave enough to have this discussion honestly, both sides listen to, and if America is uh, smart enough to understand that we are not living in the 50s or the 60s, if we can have the conversation in a two-way street type of way without bringing uh, in the ghost of Mississippi in a way of y'all got to do something about that, then we can have an honest discussion because you can't have an honest discussion about what happened to Medgar Evers. Okay, it's it's past, it's gone, and there's nothing that can be changed about. We cannot have an honest discussion about our ancestors, black folks, who were in slavery because we cannot possibly relate to that. We just know that it was a horrible time in the lives of humanity in America. But there have always been horrible times in the lives of Amer- of humanity everywhere. And that is the story of mankind. It is a story of tragedy and pain. But there are lessons to be learned and certainly not the lessons that are being uh, taught and heard today. In fact, there are no lessons that are being learned here. The lessons that are being learned are lost in the uh, anti-American slogans and attacks on authority that have allowed all of us to sleep peacefully in our beds at night. There's a dynamic here. You could say that the guy standing outside of his home with his AR-15, with his wife protecting his property, Someone would say, oh, he's a racist because he had a gun out uh, with black people in his yard. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I'm that guy if that occurs. And you better hope that you don't drive guys like me to doing stuff like that. So that's why we have to have the conversation. Oh, yes, I will defend my property. I have feeling my neighbors will do the same. But we don't have to go there. That's what the Dems would like. They don't want to have the conversation. They want to avoid it. But we must and we will begin having this conversation when we return after this break today. And it's one that I trust you will, uh, of course, have with your neighbors, your relatives, your children, your children, your friends. It takes courage to stand up to your enemies on just about 
any topic you can name. If you really want to stand up to them, repel your enemies, it takes courage to do that. But you know what takes even more courage? is to stand up to your friends and have a conversation that has been avoided or at least talked at, talked to, but not discussed with purpose. In this country, we avoid it because it's painful. And I'm going to tell you why it's painful. I'm going to begin telling you why it's painful. When we return with more of the C.L. Bryant show after uh, these brief words and uh, uh, building the bridge to conversation throughout our great nation from sea to shining sea, the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known. But if we do not start the conversation, friends, this place we know is America, she can go away. She can go away. As we watch, as we are watching, do we have the courage to speak to our malady? Do we have the courage to face it? If we'll face it, I know that God can fix it. And I tell you something, if he desires not to allow us to learn the lesson that we need to learn, he can fix it anyway. He can still fix it, even if we don't face it. But it's much easier to fix. And it's more beneficial for us if, in fact, we're willing to face it. And what should we face? We should face the fact that we have avoided, are avoiding, and are finding ways to avoid the conversation that we're about to have. And don't you go anywhere because all of us are co-contributors, conspirators. And if we were indicted, we'd be co-defendants in bringing this about right here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. I'm CL. This is the CL Bryant show friends. There are so many things that we will talk about today, but throughout this week, we will speak to these issues. And uh, it seems as though this may become a life's work for me because of the way I have been positioned in my life to speak to this topic. Be sure to go visit us on the web, uh, com, and download free. You can go to the, the, the my um, website and uh, everything that you need is right there. Download free the C.L. Bryant Show app. Listen to us wherever you go and become a part of a movement at FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks.org, FreedomWorks.org. We'll be back to start the conversation and to continue this one in just a couple of seconds. I'm CL. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities. That- you can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. CL back with you, coast to coast, border to border, over Red State, Red State Talk. We are the largest talk platform in the nation and the most listened to. If you're traveling through Times Square, look up above Ripley's, believe it or not. And on that iconic building, above that iconic building, is the Red State Talk billboard. And every hour, 24 hours a day, the CL Brian Show does pop up there on that billboard in OCL's face looking right back at you in Times Square. I'd certainly be glad when the hustle and bustle of Times Square uh, resumes, but I'll also be glad when we see uh, um, sense and sensitivity restored to the city by allowing the police to do their job and restoring order. Before we continue with our conversation on race, I want to say this. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Rev, at Rev, R-E-V-C-L Bryant. You will see there uh, Real Talk episodes that uh, I do with my friends at FreedomWorks, um, FreedomWorks.org, FreedomWorks.org with my friends at FreedomWorks. You will see that. And I mentioned that when that cop who we put the uniform on his back, who is... Uh, being called all types of names, racist names, and, you know, being vilified. When we put that uniform on his back, given the badge, and, you know, issue uh, the gun, uh, allow him to, to defend the community with a gun. When he steps out of his car into traffic and stops traffic, when he raises his hand, I want you to know something, friends. That's not him doing that. Oh, no, no, that's you. Operating through him. He's your representative. Now, when they go wrong, when they do bad, we should do what we should do to a public servant, an employee. We should reprimand them. But in the meantime, until they are proven guilty of something, there are representatives. And while we sleep peacefully in our night, in our beds at night, uh, we have charged them with looking at the underbelly of society, and unfortunately, the underbelly of society and the guardians of that do come into contact, and bad things happen. And we have to deal with it, but we should not burn our cities down based on the premise that somehow that will create better racial harmony. I mean, are, are you hearing me? Now, where does it start? How did it get going? Why is it that we're all co-conspirators? Why is it that we're all in this together? I'll tell you how, and I'll tell you why. 
Now, you may be exempt from this because you truly do not and have not taught your children or you don't plan to practice teaching your children the differences in color. And that's good. But what you can't guard against unless you put them in a bubble is the fact that they're going to come in contact with people. Oh, yes, and they're going to have conversations with people. Bubble boy, bubble girl, just don't cut it in today's world. They just don't cut it in today's world. And they won't cut it in today's world. You have to engage other folks. Even in the time of segregation, you had to engage other folks. And I've heard parents say, well, I'm just going to have my kids and me. We're just going to drop out. It won't happen. This world is going to find you wherever you are. Even if it drives you away from it, it puts you where you are. Are you hearing me? So what do we do? We must then root some things out. Replant in many ways the ideas that have made us a great nation from the very beginning. And that is, uh, look at our words. If all men are recognized for what they are endowed with by God through their personalities, which makes us equal, then America was designed for that. And America, above all other nations, has achieved that. Otherwise, I, the great-grandson of former slaves, would not be speaking to you over these airwaves now and enjoying America as anyone else would. And I would not be able to tell you definitively that if I could not enjoy this country like anyone else could, I am not a slave who is afraid of being beaten or tied to the whipping post without any individual recourse against the onslaught or punishment that may come my way. I'm not saying that punishment will not come your way if, in fact, you stand up and speak your mind. But you are not a slave to that any longer. And black people are responding today as though they are helpless to do anything about their economic situation. They don't want to hear and they don't want to give credit to the fact that before this coronavirus thing, you weren't hearing from Black Lives Matter or Antifa. You weren't hearing from them. Why? Because they had no way 
of speaking against prosperity. So we must get back to prosperity. Hey, a happy people will not listen to tyrants. But an unhappy people, a people who are constantly in flux about what happens tomorrow, who is easily overcome, easily overcome, and unhappy people are. And so my friends, where did it start? Where, where did our unhappiness begin? How did we get to this point? Consider this. And you know this to be true. I will say three-year-olds. Um, take three-year-olds. And if a little child can ever lead us, then uh, perhaps this is a way of looking at that. Take three-year-olds from the most translucent, skinned, Aryan three-year-old and put them with the most amber, ebony, onyx-skinned child. Take the brown ones, the red ones, the yellow ones, as we tend to label each other in America and put them together with toys, yes, in the room. All kinds. Maybe one for each of them of all kinds. They have their own toys to play with. Now, if you leave them alone, will they have conflict? Quite possibly. But you know what that conflict will not be about? The color of their skin. It will be about figuring out why and how I could have your toy so that I can have two of them since you don't seem to like it I'll take it from you it'll be about power that's the human condition we have conflicts and we'll always have conflicts over things and attitudes but in our natural condition as human beings, regardless of how many colors of children are in a room, those kids will never argue over the N-word, the, uh, the, the, the derogatory words for white people will never be brought into, you will not go back into that room and hear those three-year-olds fighting over skin color. They will fight over the toys. One of them will become dominant. 
the others may actually become afraid of him or her because I remember going back to kindergarten. It wasn't necessarily a guy, a boy that I was afraid of. It was this girl who was rather large for her age. She wasn't fat, but she was large. Never will forget her. Her name was Mary Redmond. And she could hit a ball as far as any of us. And she could punch any of us out <laughs> at kindergarten, five years old. She was a coach's kid. <laughs> we were scared of her. And we weren't afraid of her because she was a boy. We respected her because of her abilities to inflict pain. Oh, yeah. Those three-year-olds of all colors in that room, you can leave them there with all the toys in that room. You can come back. You may come back to that room. They may actually be arguing. They may actually be at each other's throat. They may be hitting each other with the toys. And you shouldn't leave them alone, by the way. You should not leave them alone, by the way, because of that. But they will not be arguing about the color of their skin. They either want to play, they want to accumulate more toys, or they want to see just how they stack up to that kid over there but they will not be arguing about the color of their skin until you teach them that. Until they learn it from you or someone like you or someone you may not even know. Until they're, you teach them that. They don't argue about that. Where did it begin? Where did it begin? We were talked about, uh, we go back to uh, Cain uh, killing Abel. Who did Cain prefer? He preferred himself. Yeah. Our standards of um, looks and beauty. Where did they come from here in America? Uh, well, of course, we have a European model of that here in this country that is true that's a part of the dynamic fear is one and things that we accept and fear we are not brings us to number two and number two is acceptance fear and then the idea that you may not be accepted if you bring that guy to the party if you let that guy visit your home you're afraid of not being accepted. It starts in the room with those three-year-olds arguing over the toys, but not skin color. 
it appears if you watch them closely, and uh, we have had my wife ran a, a daycare at one time. The ability to watch children play and develop their own social structure and order. <laughs> I got to tell you something. It is amazing how we develop our attitudes. You can see things happening sometimes, and I have seen this as a pastor, and in my pastoral counseling over the years, I have seen how parental attitudes affect the kid. When I come back from this break, I'm going to tell you about integration and when um, the schools integrated. 1968, here in Shreveport, Louisiana. There was so much that led up to that. And then the, the race riot fights in the schools. <laughs> it is amazing why they took place. You see the same type of dynamic, dynamic that is going on or was going on in Seattle. We'll talk about how that's been dispersed. There are conversations that have been avoided that we must talk about. You remember getting beat up? Or do you remember handing a beating to someone of a different color? That one act alone has caused a whole lot of bitterness. Unwarranted. I'm going to talk about that when I return. Because it happens. It happens. And the way it's dealt with has a lot to do with what we're seeing played out in our America today. Somebody gets their behind beat. Somebody reacts the way we did back in the days of school when they were being integrated. To me, it's a giant leap backwards. But we haven't had the conversation. This is the C.L. Bryant Show. I am C.L. Bryant. Thank you for coming along with us, helping us build the bridge to conversation right here, coast to coast, border to border, over Red State, Red State Talk. I want to thank Loving Liberty, all the terrestrials who replay our show throughout the day. Don't go anywhere. Be back in just a couple of minutes. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for 
Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities. That- you can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. CL back with you on this great day in the USA. And it's all because of people like you that our nation is as great as it is. And we must reopen it. We must get back to sanity. We must stop this foolishness that is going on, taking a grip on our country now. And it is presenting itself to us in the ugly garb of racism. And that racism is, of course, abounding uh, in uh, the hearts and minds of uh, those who are, uh, who have a purposeful mission of creating chaos and race is the vehicle that they want to use to do it and the strength of using that vehicle will be you yes you 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 will be the strength of that vehicle because you have the power to open your mouth and say, we see what you're doing. Are you hearing me? You have the power to open your mouth and say, we see what you're doing and we're not going to play along. Now, (laughs) I... Back in a more honest time when we were dealing with race, back in a more honest time, I'm talking going, I'm going back to when I uh, first went to junior high school, before I went to Lakeshore Junior High School, which is now Lakeshore Elementary, I believe. Uh, but back then, in 1968, Shreveport, Louisiana, here's this kid. I was born in Confederate Memorial Hospital, grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, yada, yada, yada. Okay, now I'm um, in the age to go to junior high school. Is that 13? You know, I'm the age to go to junior high school. 13, 14, right? Okay. 1968. Four years have only, only four years, only four years have passed since the passing of the civil rights bills of 64, 65. Only four years have passed. 1968, Shreveport, Louisiana, the last city to concede defeat in the Civil War. My hometown. My tobacco road, as far as I'm concerned. 
I despise it so many times because it can be filthy. But I love Shreveport because it's my home. It's a tobacco road type of experience for me. Having traveled as much as I have throughout my lifetime. And then uh, coming home to Shreveport. It's quiet. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's all of that as far as you can, you can make it. But, of course, it's violent. If you, if you don't know what you're doing in Shreveport, you can get your life took. You have to be careful. 1968, though, the heavy hand of a police commissioner, his name was George Diortois, laid heavy upon the black community in a more honest time. When there was honest racism, when there was systematic police brutality in 1968, and of course before then in Shreveport, going all the way back to the 30s, 40s, uh, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. But in the 20s and 30s, black folks were mostly invisible because we were invisible. We were on the farm or living in shotgun houses, and all of our jobs were menial. The 30s and 40s and 50s. The 50s began uh, with the emergence of the black soldier who had come from World War II and was expecting to share in the prosperity and growth of this country. So he became entrepreneurial, and he made, basically uh, did what he did when he was in the military. My father did. My father was a, was a chef. He was a cook in the military. Yeah, he was a cook. Front, he was a front-line cook in the military. Saddest things that he would tell. Uh, I hear him talking to his buddy. He never talked to me, but he talked to his buddies about it. Uh, I hear this, uh, you know, so-and-so went away. I extra... Uh, you know, uh, made sure that he got uh, extra rations or what have you. But he didn't return. He didn't come back. Now, these were white faces and black faces. So, this racism that our young people uh, talk about today is not the type of racism that existed then. The dynamics that drove it are still the same. But the fear that you are experiencing today is not the same type of fear that we experienced in the 50s and 60s. No, the, the, the fear that is being generated today is being generated out of venom and vitriol of an discontented people or a people wanting to create discontentment. Remember what our plight was just five months ago. It was prosperity with the lowest job numbers the country had known as far as black, Latino, and 60 years for women. 
in this in 60 years women have not had opportunity like they had before this coronavirus lockdown black people were very prosperous and black voices black lives matter uh uh antifa you did not hear from them just five months ago you weren't hearing anything from them it took a tragedy for them to start this type of uh, mantra. However, when we talk about the dynamic of racism, the dynamics of how this racism is perpetuated, it seems as though there are those as a pocket, they're pocket, they're in little pockets. And it becomes infectious, it becomes cancerous, it spreads. Who are easily and wantonly jumping on a train even though they are doing financially and fiscally well. I see people who were doing fiscally well just four or five months ago who are now wanting to jump on that train of yeah let's keep the country divided and shut down are you are you deranged it was the openness it was the risk of business and the risk of yes corona Risk of red fever, scarlet fever, uh, what, what, no, scarlet fever, yellow fever. It was a, we have faced down this type of things even in more deadly situations before, but we have not been here before. The hysteria that has been created now, on top of the racist attitudes that do exist, you have attitudes that say your health may be threatened if you go around people. And I gotta tell you something, that's, that's, that's a fear that we can't afford to have. Can I tell you something? That is a fear we cannot afford to have. And let me reiterate this as we talk about and we continue to talk about even after the top of the hour, the dynamics of race. The cure for all of this may come from the South. I'm talking about below what we have known as the Mason-Dixon line. And Southerners, it's time that you uh, understand that you have historically had the answers for race and on race but instead of being the catalyst for healing you have allowed yourself to be used as a tool of division when really you should be a model 
of success. Because the Southern folks, we have been, but we do not tell our story. We'll talk more about it. Dynamics, the dynamics of racism takes on many forms in this country. But the form that we should not allow to take on is deception. Oh, there will always be race and racism. I know there will always be people who say there's only one race. And that's true and false. That's true and false. But we'll talk about that as we progress with this conversation. I'm CL, building the Bridge 2 conversation right here throughout our great nation, the greatest nation on the face of the planet, the greatest success story the world has ever known, and that is America. I want to thank each and every one of you for coming along with us daily as we build the Bridge 2 conversation. Again, at the end of this hour, I want to thank each and every one of you for helping me commemorate uh, the life of my wife, Jane Bryant. Uh, we were able to get closure finally on her uh, going home and her passage um, into her next life. And uh, if there is anything that uh, brings me solace and closure is the fact that I know, I know that I know that I know there is a better and next life that was our blessed hope now she's experiencing it and uh, I will be talking to people who um, have had lost loved ones in the weeks to come and uh, we will share with you our security and the security that um, assurance that God gives us once and they give us themselves once they have left here in ways that if you are um, in kin with the spirit of God uh, it gives you that type of confidence and peace. But I want to thank all of you for being with me and being there for me in that time of uh, darkest hours. I'll be back after the top of the hour. I'm CL. Don't worry about it. I'm just a pilgrim on this road. Broadcasting from within the borders of the greatest success story the world has ever known, the United States of America. It's time for an honest discussion from a fresh, new conservative voice. The C.L. Bryant Show.
SPL back with you on this great day in the USA, coast to coast and border to border over Red State Talk Radio, the CL Bryant Show. Download free the CL Bryant Show app. Go to our website and like our page. Um, we've revamped and thrown some things up uh, there that I think you'd like. Uh, the CL Bryant Show dot com. Go there. And check us out. Uh, I am C.L. Bryant every day from 12.05 to 2 p.m. in the East. And accordingly, wherever your time zone is, uh, join us for the building of the conversation throughout our great nation. Thank all of you, all of you, for your kind words and uh, uh, love and affection uh, during the passing of, uh, of my my wife, Jane, from this life to the next. And um uh, finally, closure. Closure is ours. And the only thing now is to thank you and to move on uh, from that. And, um, one thing I do know, I'll never stop loving her, but uh, the cherish and the memories uh, have their place in my life and my heart. And uh, But as long as I'm alive, I'll move. I'll have to move on and, um, and live the life that I have been given by God until I'm joined together again with those who have gone on before me and certainly my beloved wife. Uh, but now it's time to talk to you about what we're talking about. <laughs> and, uh, and this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a world that, an uh, America in particular, right? we, it's just too big to try to bite off the world. But since we are a light to that world, what goes on in our country, what goes on in our nation is important to speak about, particularly when we come to racial issues. Now, the rest of the world is not um, is hard, is is not um, as gumboed as I like the Louisiana word. It's not a gumbo as much as America is in certain places, you know. But the amazing thing about the rest of the world is that it seemingly does have its problems with racism, too. Now, you may say, well, it's not in France. Oh, yes, there is. There's, there's, there's racism in France. Spain? Oh, my God. In Spain? Oh, my. Oh, yes. Mexico? My goodness. You don't want to be black in Mexico. And live there anyway. I mean, you, you can be a black American in Mexico because you got money. And that's all it takes in Mexico to be anything, anybody, or anywhere for that matter. If you got money, you can be somebody some, anywhere, okay? But you don't want to be poor and black in Mexico, a Mexican, a Blacksican, or I guess what they call. Uh-uh. You know, be poor and black in France or Rome or, uh-uh. You thank God. If you've not been outside this country, if you thank God <laughs> that you are poor and black in America. Yeah. But if you can be played, if you can be used as a pawn in a greater scheme, you can lose what you have and you can become even more kept than you have been over the last 50 years in this country through the type of social programs that did nothing more than enslave us to a mindset of codependency. 
12% of the population. And that has de de decreased from nearly 14% of the population. We don't want to face up to why that's the case. And, 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 and you know it's true. We're either killing ourselves in the womb or we're killing ourselves on the streets, black folks. And then we cry racism when a white cop happens to kill one of us uh, and is captured publicly. And, but, you know, we don't know the names of the three rows or, uh, you know, or anybody that's getting killed in the black community by black people. It only matters when somebody white kills a black person that black people are concerned about themselves being killed. Please, does that make any sense to anyone? No, there's a motive, there's an ulterior behind this. There's a design behind this type of racism. There's a dynamic to it that is intended to drive it by design and you play into it first of all with fear and then uh, the desire to be continuously accepted. Which of course fear of losing that causes you to make decisions that you would not make if you were the three-year-old in the play area with other three-year-olds of all different ethnicities and colors. Where did that go out of us? Oh, no doubt, yes, it, we learned it, we were taught it, but you ask any parent, at least those with, who seem to be sane, or those who want to appear to be sane, you ask them whether they're telling you uh, the absolute truth or not. Did they teach their children about the differences in people by the color of their skin? Most parents will tell you no. And if most parents are telling you no, then it, it, it tells you this. It tells you either... Uh, they are not being absolutely truthful or it doesn't take but just a few to infect the many. And I know that the idea of staying sheltered and locked down with this coronavirus thing uh, is something that's appealing to us because somehow it brings some kind of comfort that you're uh, protecting yourself against something. But you know what? Uh, the cure for this actually is going to kill you. Anyway. So get it. Get over it. If it's out there for you, a healthy person shouldn't fear it. I don't. I'm healthy. I thank God that I, I, I take no medications or anything of that nature for my blood pressure or anything. Uh, checking my blood pressure last night, and here I am, a 64-year-old man, yeah, uh, weighing in at about 175, uh, 5'10 5'10, 5'10 blood pressure is 120 over 75. Yeah, 122, I think it was, 122 over 75. And um, I've got glory to God. That is because of hope in where I have been placed by my creator. And, and, and Americans, you got to thank God that you've been placed here. 
and you want to ruin this? Over what? If it's ruined, the dynamics that are being pushed because of these racial ideals that are being promoted will be the cause of it. Yeah, will be the cause of it. And the design that is to replace the things that are being destroyed, you're not going to like. And you better believe this. Somebody's going to be in charge. Okay, so you take down the structure that we're in right now. And you replace it with what? The type of thing that you saw in Seattle? Is somebody within that little community, somebody was in charge and they were letting heinous things happen inside of there. Is that what you want? Because, quite frankly, I know that me and my neighbors, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get our own private police force. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll chip in and get our own private police force. And um, we will watch the anarchy go on around us in neighborhoods that can't afford them. Is that what you want? It, is that what you want? I don't think you do, even though I see your lips moving, saying, well, 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 there's so much evil going on. No, there's not. Your news media promotes a visual, a racist, dynamic visual that you buy and swallow, hold, hog. And it's so easy to do now because you have gone from being prosperous to being uh, wandering and destitute in your hope of tomorrow. They want you like that. It's time to reopen our nation. We must embrace the dangerous freedom as we always have, Americans. It's always been dangerous freedom or peaceful slavery that have been our choices as Americans. We have no other choice or we cease being who we are. But there is a dynamic at play. And that's what this show, this whole show has been about. There's a dynamic at play here. And it's being used masterfully to keep make us afraid of each other. And and, and may I say this to uh, you, you white folks out there. And I know a large, ch- a huge chunk, if not majority of my audience, although I know black folks listen too, are white folks. But let me say this to you. I I, I, I feel so um, patronized when you are overly nice to me just because I'm black. Oh, 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 I... I wish I, I wish I could, I wish I could, I had the vocabulary to express the, uh, type of, uh, kowtowing 
that I'm beginning to see in some white folks. To me, it is sickening. It's like it's as sickening as a person wearing a mask driving down the street in their own car. I don't want you to be nice to me because I'm black. People, we can't. You, you, and you shouldn't be nice to white folks because they're white. We should be nice because we're nice. I mean, but, but there is this over uh, compensation going on here in America right now that leads to something that is absolutely born of, of weakness. And it will breed weakness in our American character. It will cause us not to say what's on our minds. And finally, and black people, you above all, should be fighting this movement to, to, to have uh, the thought police and the word police in action. You should be fighting people who throw around the word racism like it's just jelly beans. You should be fighting that. To people who make that such a common thing that have no clue what they're talking about when, they're, when they even say the word racism or racist. And, and in being a 64-year-old black man in this country all my life, I can tell, and growing up in the South, I can tell you this. I have been called that N-word by white men, old white men, who could make a black soul feel it in his bones. I know racism. I know racism. And what you're seeing in, in today, yes, there's racists in America. Sure, there are. Black, white, all kinds of racists in America. But this is nowhere close to what was experienced in the 60s and 50s by my parents and those who uh, val whose valor whose valor is being stolen by people trying to emulate a scene from the past and they're doing it so poorly and for no reason oh our four parents would have loved to have the America that we have. And when I think about them, when I think about the dynamic of racism that drove them to marching in the street, it drove them to throwing off that shackle of it. When I think about that, I think about how they were able to have more on less than I do. Oh, my father, uh, if he was able to uh, garner the type of income that I have now in his time, oh my God, it's amazing to me how our 
the ancestors, our fathers and grandparents had less money, but they had more stuff. And it was paid for. They had excellent, excellent credit. My father had perfect, perfect, my father and mother had perfect, perfect credit. Lord knows I've had my challenges, of course. Um, you know, my wife is, uh, her illness, and y'all know it costs a lot of money to be sick. Jane was sick for nearly 10 years. But by the grace of God, the grace of the Lord, uh, we came a long way. We sure did. And so, I was saying to you earlier, and I want you to stay tuned because we're going to explore this. Of course, I've traveled all over America and will be doing so soon. Uh, again, as soon as Corona breaks and so forth, I was spending a lot of time in Washington, D.C., in and around Freedom Works and on up into New York. Uh, but it looks like uh, the way things are up there and in many places, uh, maybe after the first of the year before we're able to get back to our norms and, and so forth. But um, just the same, um, when we do get back out there, there's a message that I have for America. And it's coming from a southerner, me, a black southerner, to America. And I want to speak certainly in, in, in terms of encouraging other Southerners to look at the contributions that we have made to this nation. And yes, uh, let me say it as boldly as I can say it, I'm against taking down the Confederate flag or any type of Confederate monuments. I, as I told you earlier, I uh, was born in Confederate Memorial Hospital. Do I take that off of my birth certificate? Of course not. Of course not. It would be like taking a part away a part of my history. And I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it when I return with more of the C.L. Bryant show right here over Red State Talk. It's a great day in the USA. It's going to be better because people like you. I'll be right back. Don't you go anywhere. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities that You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Are lifted high 
CL back with you on this great day in the USA. I want to thank all of you for coming along with us as we build a bridge to conversation throughout our great nation right here on the CL Bryant Show, coast to coast, border to border, daily, right here on Red State Talk, largest talk platform in the nation and the most listened to. I want to thank many of you, so many of you who have um, been so kind and thoughtful uh, here in these last few months um, um, for me. Um, but we're moving forward um, on, on opening and unpacking tomorrow's mysteries and thanking God for the today, the right now, doing the best we can while we can for as many as we can right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. Go to FreedomWorks, FreedomWorks.org, FreedomWorks.org. And to become a part of a movement, one of the largest movements in the country, six million of um, people, activists just like you, have become a part of FreedomWorks. FreedomWorks.org. Tell them you heard about them right here on the C.L. Bryant Show. Healing. Healing for our nation. Healing for America. How does it come? Where does it come from? Well... I'm a Southerner. Um, and you know, I, I, I know that there are people who live in other parts of the other, other world of the country that don't understand what that means to a Southerner, black or white. Uh, I'm from the South. I grew up in the South. I'm man, of, of, of America. I'm not talking about South America, but North America. I grew up in southern, the southern portion of North America. Louisiana. I come from uh, certainly slave stock, black African slaves uh, to this country. And of course, uh, through the course of time and human uh, folly and mischief, uh, my blood is mixed with Scots-Irish to a point where even Bryant is my name. I know my father's brothers and we Bryant, we, we were the other children. And, you know, through the course of time, I come along. I was born in a place called Shreveport, Louisiana. Confederate, the name of the hospital that I was born in was called Confederate Memorial Hospital. That's where I was born. Okay. Um, we see all around us the monuments and all of those types of things being torn down. Torn down. All the Confederate flag is being, you know, shushed off. But when I think about that being on my birth certificate. Confederate, born, what birthplace of birth? Confederate Memorial Hospital. Um, I don't want to erase that. I don't want to take that off of my birth certificate. That is a part of my history. 
That is a part of who I am. I um, was saying, talking about this to some of my, my kids, and some said, well, you don't keep around, uh, you know, a, 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 a swastika or anything like that, do you? Well, of course not. You don't do that. But that's a totally different thing. You see, and that's the problem. We equate things that have no semblance to it. The Civil War was about liberation and states' rights with slaves being the uh, oh, definitely a part of the, the, the greater part of the mix. We're the only nation on the face of the planet who's gone to war with itself to free people and over states' rights. The only the only part that the South had wrong was that it didn't want to let it go of its production pro- producers. We, you see, we weren't uh, in the South. My parent, my parents, my uh, great parents' ancestors were the engines. <laughs> you know, it was labor that drove it, and states' rights meant that we're not letting go of this. It would ruin us. And it did. And so when we look at the South being the healer, you cannot understand America without understanding the Civil War and what went on in the Confederacy. Why the Confederacy? And you cannot understand America without understanding the Civil War. We have made it about race, but it was about American policy that certainly gained its emotional strength because of race. And so, and so there's a lot of emotion that has been... Um, used to uh, create the fire and uh, choose the direction that we go in this country when we discuss race. It has become an emotional topic. But it shouldn't be. Especially for modern whites and modern blacks. When we talk about reparations, what are we talking about? We're talking about making you who have never had a slave give money to people who have never been slaves. Are you hearing me? My good buddy Larry Elder uh, uses that phrase. And I, yeah, and I like that. But it, it, it's the idea of you who have never owned slaves giving money to people who have never been slaves. Now, is there anything? There is something wrong with that picture, isn't it? Or is it just me? (laughs) My friends, uh, 
we have to have that conversation because we have uh, had discussions centered solely around emotion and race, but not reason and race. Is the dynamic that's driving this also emotional? So you have three. You have fear. You have acceptance. And you have emotion. Uh, you mix those in the wrong way. A person being rejected is emotional anyway. But if he's being rejected because of his race, if he's being told he's being rejected because of his or her race, it becomes even more emotional. And there's fear that it may not get any better. That's where we live right now, America. We're living in a fear that it may never get any better. And the ideas that are rational may never be accepted because we cannot have a conversation without it turning into something totally emotional. And so, the dynamic is being driven by the progressive liberal left, the socialist left. And if you are not uh, vigilant, those types of programs that will make further codependent a dependent class it will spread by necessity to the rest of this nation businesses are already under the thumb of government regulations that ain't right there, there are businesses that have opened up and now closed down again that ain't right Americans should not be subjugated to that type of thing. It's time to reopen business. Black businesses were booming. Black wages were booming. You be sure to check out uh, some of the postings on Roku and uh, I think Hulu that we have out there from Freedom Works. We were booming. Go to freedomworks.org. Check it out. We were booming. We weren't hearing from Antifa. We weren't hearing from Black Lives Matter. We weren't hearing from any of them. Because a happy people is a productive people and they cannot be taken over by tyrants. But a dis, but an unhappy people, and you, they're wanting you to remain unhappy, dysfunctional in your homes, afraid. They want you to remain that way. 
You can't do it. You've got to embrace dangerous freedom or you will be. And you will have peaceful slavery. The South can lead the way. The South, yes, the South can lead the way. We have Southerners, whites and blacks. We have the greatest things in common. The most common things in common, the South. We eat the same foods, people in the South. Mm -hmm. Oh, we understand each other very well. We, because we eat the same foods, the same things are good to us. We have basically the same moral code. We, we have the same mannerisms and manners. We believe God the same in the South. And, of course, sports is also religion. Atlanta, Houston, uh, New Orleans, even Shreveport, my hometown. Black mayors and police chiefs and, you know, people in leadership, black, all through the South, all through the South. There was a saying, speaking about the dynamics of racism, there was a saying when I was coming along as a young man as an interracial marriage when we moved from the south to the west and visited in places in the north there was a saying that went in the south white people don't care how close you get as long as you don't get too high and of course that's not true <laughs> but in the north white people don't care how high you get as long as you don't get too close that's not true either I know because I have dispelled those myths myself I know that that's not true I'm very close to um, friends of mine, people I love. In fact, um, one of my dearest friends is from Ohio. Okay? Yeah, he performed him and his wife's wedding. I, you know, he's from Ohio. She's from Colorado. So I've just, and I, I've dispelled that myth with I don't know how many people. It's not true. As far as gaining status in the South, yes, we are very close to whites and blacks in the South. We're kin in many ways. I don't care how high you get as long as uh, you leave me alone. Southerners have this. I don't care what you do as long as you leave me alone. The dynamic of racism is attacking also symbols of the past and causing them to become emotional symbols as well. It's a ploy. It's a game. The Confederate flag is a historical symbol. Just the same way as my birth certificate that has Confederate Memorial Hospital on it. I would not change that whatsoever. 
because it is the strength of my story. It is the strength of looking back in triumph. So, friends, let's have the conversation because we're going to have to have the conversation. And I'm going to do everything that I can. Look for a, a real talk coming for us uh, from uh, Thursday or Friday. Um, Freedom Works, a real talk. Follow me on Twitter at Rev C L Bryant. Follow me on Twitter at Rev C L Bryant. And um, I am going to do an RT on this one as well because. We're not having the conversation. We've avoided it. Why? It's painful. Why? Because we're co-conspirators. We have taught in many ways our young people to accept our stereotypes of ourselves, knowing we're not even that person. No, you're not. But you accept the stereotype yourself. You wear it when you go out. Why? <laughs> it's a conversation that we must have. Who told you as this is the way you're supposed to act? Hmm? Is that the way you would normally act? Or are you trying to be accepted? Are you afraid of not being accepted? Or are you afraid of having your emotions um, <laughs> disturbed? And then believe me, there are some emotionally, just looking at the reactions on television, there are some emotionally disturbed individuals who are driven by a dynamic of race without any reason for their hysteria. Oh, uh, George Floyd, he's just an excuse. We'll talk when I return. Don't go anywhere. I'm CL. Was worth saving, so you came and changed my life. You thought I was worth keeping, so you cleaned me up inside. You thought I was to die Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities. That you can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Stand up for America. Then Americans, stand up, stand up, stand up. God bless you. God bless America. 
everything uh i want to um, hey listen independence day is coming up and um i want to take this time now in the home stretch to tell you why we cannot allow this dynamic to continue this dynamic of racism the dynamics that is driving racism. It is our fear of each other, it seems, but it's not that. It is the fear of acceptance and continued acceptance. This is fear that we are This is the type of fear that we are experiencing. All of us are experiencing this type of fear. And even though it's not as evident or apparent to us that that's what it is, believe me, we are afraid. It's uncharacteristic of us as Americans. We are usually not afraid. At least we don't show it. We're usually bold. We're usually wanting to face down whatever the enemy is, overcome it, and move on. That's who we are. That's who we have been as Americans. And that's who we need to resume being we need to open up our businesses again because um, if we do not do this soon we lose big time we lose and I, I want you to know that we should never uh, see, I hope we never see the day after Independence Day in America. Every day is Independence Day in this country. And I do not care what color you are. You wake up every day with a chance to change your life. You can go out and do anything you have the ability to do. And understand that you cannot operate outside of your own abilities, but God has given you, oh, I've seen it happen, all, all kinds of people. God has given you the ability create your world do it do it and friends when I think about the 
chance of this going away. When I think about America going away and the future of my children and my grandchildren being thwarted by this foolishness, I'm not going to let the dynamics of skin color rob my children of their American heritage. White folks, let me say this to you. Stop being milk toast. Stop it. And black people, we can't have it both ways. Either we are going to enjoy and experience the American dream with using our God-given talents and gifts without someone giving it to us. Or we are going to be hypocrites. You can't have it both ways. Either all life matters or all of us are hypocrites. Are you hearing me? We can't have that both ways. Oh, I understand the premise that we should recognize black... Black lives need to recognize themselves. We need to understand that we're important to ourselves. Whether I'm ever important to anyone else begins here with me. The Simple as that. The man in the mirror. I'm, I, he's important to me, first and foremost. That is where the Spirit of God resides on this earth. In that guy. That's that person looking at me in that mirror. Or at least that, that earthly body. Those eyes, that person that's looking out of those eyes, looking at me, is the person that lives forever. What was he sent here to accomplish? And it's I don't want to believe that it was to keep up the hoopla about the color of his skin. I don't believe it. I don't believe that you were sent and that you are on this earth to keep up hoopla about the color of our skin. I just don't believe it. I mean, surely there are deeper, more pressing problems than that. There are. Yes, there are. But you'll never deal with that. We'll never deal with it as long as we are driven by the dynamics of fear of each other because of skin color. You see, they want certain things. White people want certain things. Black people want certain things. That's, and they're, somehow they're not the same things. That's not true. It is not true. We want the same things. Well, 
you know, he's a Republican. He's a Democrat. I don't want that in my home or whatever. I don't know if I'm going to accept that. I'm scared to accept a different thing that I've been doing for a million years. I'm afraid to accept something different. Hmm. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I'm afraid to accept something different. <laughs> Fear of each other. Fear of what someone, what the crowd is going to say, what the group is going to think if you accept a different thought, if you bring a different thought to the table other than the one that they have a design for. And, of course, they want you to gotta be emotional about it now. Yeah, they want you to be emotional about it. Should be emotional about it. And so they keep the image of a white person killing a black person in your mind, and they want you to think that. That is the problem. When they know and you know that that is not the problem. Have you seen the one with the Hollywood movie stars saying they're not going to laugh or say anything uh, uh, racial ever again? I promise I'll never say it again. Oh, this is so trifling. It is sickening. It is sickening. It is trifling. It is sickening. And I trust that somehow we come to our senses. People are just people. Are you hearing me? Just uh, even we have bought into this thing that we're supposed to be a certain way. Well, I'm white, you know. I like that kind of stuff. Well, I'm black. I'm gonna do what I'm black. I'm gonna do what I want to do. You know, whatever you know, whatever the thing is, whatever the thing is, whatever the thing is for whites or blacks, it's nothing to do with your skin color. It has to do with your character and your personality. And that's what you should be judged off of. I'm going to be judged by the color of my skin. I'm not judging you because you happen to be a different skin color than I am. My, uh, can we agree on what we want for ourselves in this country? And I'm not talking about you giving me anything. I want you to get out of my way and I'm going to get out of your way and both of us are going to do our thing and we are going to enjoy the fruits of our labor. I just want to have the same opportunity for that as you do. That's what the country was founded for. And listen, 89 years after the country was founded, slavery was over. 
Slavery had existed on this continent for 400 years. But it only existed in America for 89. And the opportunities up until this coronavirus thing happened were absolutely incredible. We must get back to that. It's been great talking to you today. It's going to be a series of this. I'm going to have it on the internet. I may even start a webinar on race and reason. I might do that. I'll let you know. Be sure to download free the C.L. Bryant Show. Listen to the app wherever you go. I am C.L. Bryant. I want to thank you for helping us build the bridge to conversation throughout in our great nation, sea to shining sea. Um, I thank God for the opportunity to come to you in this manner. And I certainly give him all the credit, all the praise, and all the glory. I want to thank him for our men and women in uniform around the globe who defend our right to speak our minds. And, my friends, until I am able to speak to you again from the very essence, from the very bottom of my heart. Thank you for all of your kind words, letters, and deeds during this time of my loss. And may God bless you all. Mm -hmm.